Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. This is the last Wednesday of October. Tony, good to have you back hey. again with us. Uh, nothing's happened in the world of freight since you were gone last week. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing's nothing. happened at all. Uh, I was going to say, missed yeah. out on a whole lot. Um, but of course... Slow news week. Slow news week, yeah. Um, there's a small little shop that went under, but otherwise nothing nothing happened. But no, I mean, in all reality, right? We all know Convoy, I feel like it's... You know, it's funny about Convoy. They went under now. I think they're still trying to sell their tech. Uh, I think they found a buyer for Did their tech. they find tech. a buyer already? Okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. It's like, it was such a big story last week, and I feel like it's just evaporated already. Like, everybody seems like they've already moved on. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it, I mean, kind of has to move on, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a, like, but, Yellow, I feel like, dragged on a little bit longer. Now, it's not really a fair fight. Yeah, because, I mean, I think when you still look at Yellow, it had a death, I don't want to say a death sentence. I mean, it might be the best way to phrase it. But, I yeah. mean, it was like just this slow, long drawn out process right yeah. and and the difference is like it was union negotiations that helped killed yellow i mean there were so many impacts within yellow that were right showing up whereas convoy didn't have those same concerns but i mean you look at it and a company that was it was disruptive and definitely had people opinionated about it uh, one oh, yeah. way or another it you would think that the story, and, and I think some of it is new cycles have shortened significantly. And the difference with like, we're at what, a week basically since the announcement and they found a buyer and now according, I mean, we have the article on the, on the website, but so about a week, you have to remember with yellow, like that's still kind of this ongoing process of getting rid of assets and things yeah, like that. that. that that'll There's take just a, while. a whole different take a like while. unwinding process. And I think that's probably versus why. convoy, it was like abrupt. It was, it was like very quick. Hey, we're closing down in two days. Nobody gets severance. We're keeping on a small team just to transition the tech. Otherwise, have a nice day. Yeah. Um so yeah, it was super I'm fast. I'm interested to see how that turns out. One, because they're based in Washington. Washington's very pro-employee state has very strong employee employment laws favoring the employee and how that all works out. I'm not, I'm not going to go and try sure. to touch that. I don't know. It's it outside just of my feels, I know because it's one of those states where you have to give a warn notice, basically 60 days saying that you're planning to shut a facility. It didn't happen. Yeah. So it's, I don't know how that plays out. Uh, I don't know. It either. just feels it was fast. It was obviously fast. And ultimately the key is they ran out of money. Yeah. But how that all plays out. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to see what happens yeah, as far as, you know, when they pick up the pieces, pay, but pay grade. We'll sure. see what happens when they pick up the pieces. I did see Dan Lewis, their CEO. He posted on LinkedIn that, you know, they, they've, they've got to flush out a few things, but he is going to be posting more about, you know, kind of the inner workings of what happened in the coming weeks and days. So I think that'll be interesting to see and, and learn from. Um, I mean, listen, like, I, it, it's unfortunate for the industry. I think there there are some net positive. I saw a couple of folks talking about this. They did bring a lot of technology to the industry. Yeah. They brought a lot of awareness. They brought a lot of talent to the industry. There's a lot of people that have, you know, from Silicon Valley, say what you want about Silicon Valley. Yeah. They brought a lot of technology and resources to developing technology for the industry. So yeah. hats off to them for that. Yeah, they were able to bring people from a tech background to a freight 
into a freight business, right? Yeah. Which is might have it, it's one of these things like it it helps on the tech side and and you look at I think their driver app was one of the most widely adopted apps yeah. in terms of like from a driver perspective. The kicker is they're still at the core was were a freight brokerage and they're bringing in yes. people without freight knowledge into a freight brokerage and basically trying to scale and uh, and uh, I want to bring this up and I think Craig Fuller wrote a great article kind of talking about it was like death by overfunding yeah. you have to remember there were 800 million dollar at the top peak line. top line revenue value when they raised at 3.3 billion yeah that was on a $260 million funding round uh, the in two Aprils ago, so April 22. Yeah, so you, you think about it, they're probably getting valued based off top line and top line growth in comparison in a company that is a freight brokerage, largest freight brokerage in the country, C.H. Robinson, right? At their peak, they did, what, $16 billion in revenue in a year? And now looking at market, market caps, cap, just market cap, similar metric in terms of like value, right? It was in right at 10 billion. So you're telling me Convoy at its peak is effectively a third of what C.H. Robinson is now, but re top line revenue wise. Valuation. It, yeah, valuation's about a third of the size, but top line revenue is drastically different. It was, I mean, it was the result of, does a VC know what they're investing in, right? Did they... Right, they were val effectively they were valuing a, a freight brokerage like it was a tech company, which is how Convoy portrayed itself. But ultimately, at the core of the business, it was still in a cyclical business model that you're still subject to a market that you have no yeah. real control over. Right, so combination of overfunding, a combination of the freight recession hitting, I mean, a, a number of factors. Yeah. It'll be interesting to learn kind of more on, from the inside yeah. as those details get released. Absolutely. But yeah, def definitely an interesting story. Now, I think it's true, we also need to talk about, you know, switching gears here a little bit. We're, we, we need to hit a couple of topics today. We're going to give a brief overview of truckload demand. We've skipped that mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks, just to give some folks an idea on where we are. We are tracking fairly seasonally, but looking healthy mm -hmm. going into the quarter healthy relatively speaking um we're going to look at uh truckload rates where fuel and everything is 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 really impacting spot rates and then we're also going to talk about wait times particularly automotive wait times we're going to talk about the strikes there in a little bit and then we're going to talk a little bit about the lmi the logistics managers index yeah. logistics markets technically speaking right now the logistics industry is expanding right now and it's expanding quite a bit however there's a little bit of misleading information in there, depending yeah. on where you sit in the logistics world, because logistics yeah. is a lot of things. It's transportation, it's capacity, it's warehousing, it's so many things. Yeah. So we're going to dive into that and uncover why the logistics manager index is increasing. And if you're in transportation, well, that may not help you a whole lot. Yeah. So stay tuned. But first, let's throw up demand. Good old chart. It's a good one. One of my favorites. There it is. Beautiful. So you've got Year to date, so about 80% of the way over is that dark blue shaded line, and then you've got subsequent different years here with the purple line is 2019. Honestly, I think at this point, the purple line is probably the most relevant to compare to um, just because, you know, pre-COVID and, you know, we're just, we're trying to understand where we are without all the stimulus money. But considering the blue line is as high as it is, uh, Tony, and you might have a different opinion, but in my opinion, that looks great. We're in a high interest rate environment. I understand it takes time for all that stuff to really flush out, but like, 
I mean, volumes are 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 ten percent higher than they were this time in twenty nineteen. That's some real legitimate growth. Yeah, and the economy's uh, grown in that time. So sure, you should see growth. I'll put the caveat that we were headed tracking to cross over twenty twenty two levels and inflect positive year over year, and instead we have moved the exact opposite direction. The green line. Oh, you're saying the past 2022? Yeah, we, yeah. we were at the beginning. Oh, we got close there, end of October, didn't the beginning we? Of beginning October. of October, excuse me. And now we are moving in an not really an opposite direction. We're kind of flatlining volumes. This time last year, we're picking up steam. So I would... I, and we've I been you, flat for the last probably like two and a half weeks. Yeah. And... Ooh. Oh, look at November, though. Look, like the green line there, 2022, dang. November. Boom. What if, what I mean if we just maintain flat we'll we'll cross it. Yes. Uh, I the guess question that's the question. Is, yeah, do we? where do we? I think it wouldn't be a surprise to turn positive year over year just given the comps do get easier there. But I mean, overall, when you are tracking to cross over that line and then you see the season I mean it's a seasonal dip at the beginning yeah. of October. I mean it's normal. I mean look up at look at twenty twenty one and twenty twenty in the blue and orange lines at the top. Like you cross over into October, you see a decline before you see a subsequent increase. And depending on the timing of the year and where we're at. So your concern right now is like, yeah, 2022, actually most of the, pretty much all these charts start to inch up in the back in, half in of the middle October, of October. And, we and we're, we're not falling, but we're, we're flat. So if we start to fall in November, early November, like a lot of these, when we're falling from a lower point. Yeah. The, key is the only year in the past five years, well, four years, going back to 2019, the only year we've increased in the first half of November was 2020, 2020, 2021, we were lower, 2022, we were lower, 2019, we were lower. Yeah. So a lot of gets made about peak season. Like what is only 2020 really rose? Yeah, exactly. Now the difference was what do rejection rates do? Because I think that's a telling sign because what, obviously this tracks contract demand, right? Freight demand. When things get more time sensitive, you may skip the contract freight market. You may just go straight to the spot market. Yeah, and if that's the case, you might you'll see rejection rates increase. Right now, I mean, we're talking what three and a half percent or so rejection rate. I mean, it's it just doesn't feel like even though this number's better than twenty nineteen, it feels like the situation's almost worse. Yeah, so much capacity still. because there's just there's just too much, just oh, too much, my. right? I I saw from a, a a carrier, and he was telling me that. I posted something on Twitter about how there was too much capacity. He said that he's heard from a lot of carriers that they're like staying afloat with like these SBA loans and all kinds of things. So they're, you know, even if they are, you know, even if they aren't running profitably right now, that they they're they're still finding ways to get cash to just keep the business afloat. I, I don't know. How, again, very anecdotal. Yeah, I mean, in that case, I mean, you would think one, you're taking out an interest rate on something that. I mean, what's an SBA loan right now? It's probably got to be close to 11% interest. I mean, it got to be, right? I mean, you're thinking new auto loans are crossing 10. Yeah. And mortgages are over eight. So, I mean, somewhere in that range, 10 to, between 10 and 15, which is a fairly wide range for an interest rate. But yeah. I would I would say somewhere in there. The question is, can you make, as a trucking company, in the future, not not now, in the future, when the market recovers, can you make, can you get your OR to where it's, 
90 or 90, 85. That's really the thing. To cover the interest, yeah. right? Like that's, Not 95. 95 is not going to cut it. No, exactly. You'll be losing money every month because you're you got to eat. <laughs> so it's one of those, like, you have to be confident enough in the business that right now is the worst it's going to be, hopefully. I mean, nobody nobody knows that, right? Like, what's setting yeah. it up from declining further? I And I... I've written Don't about bet against story. the American consumer. Correct. My there's that. Keep buying. But you did st- student loan repayments started this month, right? They started October first. Sure. We did have people do early payments. Yes. That. that but I understand what you're saying. They were about a third. Of- what happens? And I think the full effects of like what those do to spending will be masked. Right, because you, I mean, you have the holiday retail season. People will still spend money then, but what's it look like in January and February? Your spending already slows down off of that. Yeah, and we see it with freight demand. I mean, just look. You every year, you come off October, November, December, January, February lower. Like that's normal. But the key, the the question is going to be: Do we find new lows in those months? From yeah. like, we've been obviously climbing out. From those times, like, but we're not that much higher than we were in February. I mean, we're what? We're right at 11,000. I mean, I guess maybe 10% or yeah, so. Right around there from the... Between 8 to 10% from, yeah. from the low. But, I mean, I see we have months. December last year, prime example. You mean drop that in a month. So, I mean, the question is, like, what actually happens when those full impacts are felt? Yeah. Because, again... I don't think they're going to be felt immediately just because people will continue to spend. No, yeah, they definitely won't be felt immediately, but it'll be interesting to see where they do come. We have yeah. had partial student loan repayments for a couple of months. Hasn't seemed to have much of an impact, but yeah. to your point, right, it, that's just partial. Now, uh, one thing that I do think, so demand is going to do what demand does, right? I mean, this is really an indication of where the economy yeah. is, particularly the physical good side of the economy. I think the real indicator right now, especially as we look at where demand and capacity start to rebalance, is we've been, uh, uh, NTI, truckload spot rates have been flat. I'm gonna put that in quotes, flat for the last three months. Yeah. Let's put it up on the chart here. It's flat, but it's not really flat. And the reason why I think this, let's go, there it is right here. So this is the last three months. So 90 days, blue line is the percent change over the last three months, Point four down 0.4%. Let's call it flat, yeah. right? The green line is the NTR spot rates with fuel cost removed down 6.1%. So reality is that with fuel cost rising, carriers are getting paid the same amount, but they're taking home 6% less because of that rising yeah. fuel cost. And I think that's going to drive capacity, unfortunately, out of the market. Yeah, effectively, the underlying rate is falling and the carriers don't actually see that. Yeah. So when you see fuel... If, well, I shouldn't say when, if you see fuel decline, right? Because right now you're in a time frame where fuel shouldn't really decline. Because if you think about diesel, competes with uh, home heating oil, right? They're very, very similar. And we're about to enter winter months. So, I mean, you see demand ramp up for home heating oil. It causes the price of diesel to increase because it, you're taking some of that supply away. So, I mean, ultimately... The key there would be carriers might feel, see uh, what they're not feeling. Like they may be getting paid the same. Their top line may be the exact same right now. 
Right. But when, if fuel comes down, then you have this ability, hey, oh yeah, it's going to cost me $100 less this week than it did last week. Fuel's come down. Yeah, the rate has declined right out from underneath you and you would have never known it. Like, yeah. this is a period with fuel rising, you would think, well, one, you would have thought you would have seen an increase. What's interesting in this chart is the fact that by remu- using a dollar twenty as that baseline for fuel, it never grew. Like in the last three months, like it never crossed over zero. It we saw Labor Day's impact, right? Yeah, but you see an up kind of upward swing. But I mean, overall, it's this is a it, it is got, a it got to flat. Yeah, it came back to flat. Is really what that did. So yeah, I mean. This probably just shows the importance of like, if you're a carrier, like at all costs, try to get off of the spot market, move that contract rate, try to get a good fuel schedule with some fuel surcharges and to try to protect yourself from that. Because your actual rate is declining. Your actual rate is declining, right? You know, and and that's the reality is that a lot of these contract rates that have this fuel fuel surcharges are are really a hedge for the fuel volatility Mm -hmm. in a way. Some of them make, some of the guys make money, the big carriers will make money off it. They're buying rack or rack minus or whatever it is, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's a really dangerous place to be for a lot of these small carriers, and I think I think I think it's going to cause some of them to shut their doors. Well, I, I, yeah, it it acts almost like as a catalyst to accelerate exits, and yeah. then you add in the fact that demand's declining. Mm-hmm. I think it's just this kind of. I mean, it, we've been in it for a while. Perfect storm. Uh, it's just a matter of how fast does it happen? And right. The, I think that's been the question, and I think that's the question we can't answer. Right, I mean, yeah, we can make a guess, a best guess of when it kind of starts to come into equilibrium or the like. But it it's so hard to tell because, like you said, you don't nobody knows the financial situations of these actual firms, right? And there's so many of them. Yeah, you can make you can make an estimate based on the current trend lines of carriers exiting the market and how many trucks that is, right? But here's the thing: is like. It does it stay constant? Unlikely. Yeah. It's very unlikely. If it does stay constant, we can make we can make a great projection. It's yeah. probably going to be early 2025, but it's unlikely it will stay constant. And that's the challenge that we have to deal with, yeah. right? If rates go up, it could slow it down. If rates drop further, it could speed it up. I mean, there's any number of factors yeah. here. But anyways, we got to move on to the next phase. We got to talk about wait times here, particularly in the automotive sector, right? So this is something that we've been talking about a lot here. This is the index. You said, keep an eye on it. We're keeping an eye on it. It went up. It went up. It went up a lot. There it is right there. Look, so the average wait time at automotive manufacturers as of this week is 168 minutes. So we're flirting with three hours here. Obviously, we know, know, right? There's strikes going on. But like, I guess, Tony, tell us, why why does the wait times go up at these facilities that strike? Like, wouldn't it it not affect it because they aren't taking freight? Uh, I mean, it's both loading and unloading at facilities. So, I mean, if you don't have a worker unloading a truck... I mean, the other factor, and I think this is some of the interesting stuff around Detroit and the like, is like drivers aren't going to cross a picket line. Yeah, like, it's just true. not going to happen. So I, I, there's a, so many factors at play. Just the, but I just mean, the fact that you said that, there's probably like a driver out there that's like, hold my beer. I got this. But, but where, I mean, look at how rel- obviously there's some spikes, but I mean, it's relatively stable, right? Around 120 yeah. minutes since 2020 and now we spiked to the highest level i don't think it's like a coincidence i mean no we we knew something was going to happen yeah it was just a matter of which index did you see it and you have to remember i mean 
not every facility is this way. More facilities have, 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 have added. Yeah. And I think that's why you've seen it really start to pick up steam. Because it was around 140 minutes like two weeks ago or something. Mm-hmm. So more facilities got added to it. Wait times are going up. It'll be interesting to see if it goes much higher. But I guess to your point, right? And this here's the question is, how many drivers does this really impact, right? I mean, because the bigger impact here is the fact that a lot of these facilities now aren't shipping goods out. Yeah. That's probably the bigger impact. What it really affects is... Well, one, the larger carriers that were operating under contracts, like yeah. their equipment's getting tied up and it can have knock on effects from that. But the key if they're dedicated with like an auto manufacturer, do they still get paid when this stuff happens? I, I have no idea. I wonder that. I mean, I would. If anybody knows the answer to that, just let us know, like in the comments somewhere. Like if you have a, de- not, not just normal contract, but if like you're actually dedicated carrier to an auto manufacturer and there's a strike going on like this, do you still get paid or is there some type of compensation? Yeah. I'd really like to know. I'm interested to know that too, because I mean, it's one of the, it is, I mean, you have to think, I mean, volumes in these places are down because if facilities are effectively closed, like they're not moving freight in or out. Uh, What it does set up for whenever this does happen is expedited freight because they're going to need to get these factories back online. And if they don't have inventory in stock and like, I mean, we had, uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, like this just in time that is automotive's known for, like, yeah, they're going to have to really ramp that up very quickly. Uh, so yeah, if you're exposed to it, it might be hurting right now, but it may be, present an opportunity later. I don't really know, but it feels like that would be the case just given us. just given the fact that we talked about invent automotive, the manufacturer inventories of finished vehicles being okay for a little while, but now we're starting to get into that hurting range. Yeah. And if they're not starting producing anything, into it, they're going to have to speed up that process, which means they're going to need more of these deliveries faster. That's right. So, because they haven't been getting them. So it's just like this knock on effect that it may actually present an opportunity, but it's going to likely present the opportunity to those that were already working with them that understand how the delivery cycles and all of that plays an impact. Definitely. So, but it may be an opportunity that wasn't there previously. It just, it sucks in the moment. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on it and let us know what you guys, uh, anybody out there who's got experience with this, do let us know in the comments. All right. Last segment for today, we got to talk about the LMI. The LMI is the Logistics Manager's Index. Okay. This is a composite measure. If you're familiar with the PMI, it tracks very similarly to that. Okay. Except this is for logistics markets. So let's go ahead and pull up the LMI. There it is right there. We're not going to spend a lot of time right here because we're going to go to the next chart, but this right here tracks This is the composite measure. You're going to see everything that goes into this shortly. But this is a survey. It's put together by a couple of universities, including Colorado State, that we work with to basically do these surveys. The way you read this index, anything above 50 means that the logistics markets are growing. Anything below 50 means contraction. Mm -hmm. So just because it's down from the peak doesn't mean it's technically the real values down. It means it's gr- at 52. All it means growing it's growing slower. Price. Now, we did have a little bit of contraction in April and June and all that. But we needed. We did need some of that. Okay. Now, you're probably thinking like, okay, Luke, it's growing a little bit. Yeah, it's not growing in my neck of the woods. All right. Let's break it down by segment, please. Go to the next chart. So this right here, love this. 
So you have now the logistics managers indexed by those different segments. Oh, look at which one is at a 52 week low or not a 52 week low. A 52 week. It's actually high. a 52 week high. Um, is transportation prices at but they're 43 still in 43 right which means that they're shr- they're going down just not going down as quickly as they were a year ago but they're going down so that's going to drag it down inventory levels are down and they're contracting more is actually again they're contracting yeah the key and warehousing prices though at 72 means they're continuing to expand and they're expanding not expanding at their fastest rate but not far off of it either yeah and i mean look at inventory costs the cost of inventory continuing to grow some of that has to go with that warehousing prices but i mean it, it you look at this the one that stands out transportation capacity continuing to grow and i mm. right it's not i mean it's a lot of things it's not just it's not just full truckload yeah it's it's rail it's training intermodal capacity has gone up we were talking about this before the show jb hunts added a ton of containers yeah. the shipping a lot of the shipping container lots have added containers and ships yeah if you look it's a lot of capacity i mean again i think you said it earlier o rail domestics or outbound total rail volumes are at the highest they've ever been mm. Loaded volumes are not. I mean, they're closed, close. but they're they're not there. But empty volumes have soared, which just is the two combined showing the highest just shows that we've added capacity in that sector. Why part of the reason you're seeing this. Yeah, very true. Well, that's all we have time for. Tony, thank you for today. Folks, stay tuned. we got a lot more Freightways content coming up for you. And have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday.